everybody, and welcome to Podcast by Committee here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Uh, fun show today. It's a, it's a kind of a beautiful follow-up to the 49ers, who we just did on Tuesday. It's the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, two teams who are just kind of heading in opposite directions, I think. We're bringing in Jay Morrison from the Athletic. Jay Morrison, A-T-H, on Twitter. Jay, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, sure. Glad to be with you. Uh, so, uh, let me just start with that question. Because I had a lot of excitement. I mean, you actually helped helped push it a lot um, with some of the beat writer roundups that we did. And I just got so optimistic about Cincinnati and Zach Taylor. And you wrote this amazing story. I'm almost positive it was you in the offseason um, about Zach Taylor like, living at a hotel with like his four kids and his wife and just being like this regular cool guy who the entire staff loves. And I, I like, I'm not a gambling guy, but I live in New Jersey, so I can. Um, and I went out and I, you know, I put ten dollars on the Bengals to win uh the division and you know all this stuff and this 0-2 start I guess um maybe start with selfishly should I be concerned about that bet uh yeah you should definitely be concerned uh, <laughs> right. I, I think the, uh, the the smart the smart bet I thought was taking the over I saw a lot of uh a lot of the numbers were around six when Jonah Williams the first round pick uh tore his labrum and was announced that he would likely miss the season which they they have backed away from that. There is a chance he could come back in December. But when, when that injury happened, the number dropped to five, five and a half. And I just I, I don't think this team is that much worse than last year. And, you know, Andy Dalton has never lost double digit games. I just thought they were they were in a good position to at least go over that number. I I thought you know, everything would have to go right uh, for them to, to have a shot at winning the division and um, an 0 2 start certainly doesn't fall in the category of everything going right. Uh, when I went game by game, I had him winning the game against San Francisco, starting one and one. Had him at five and five at one point, and ultimately finishing seven and nine. But the uh, the zero and two start is concerning. Not just the, the the fact that they're winless, but getting blown out the way they did at home uh, against San Francisco. There's there's a lot more questions about this team than than maybe we had a couple of weeks ago. Well, I think for a fantasy player, and I, I guess the blowouts, I mean, kind of help to a degree because we're racking up these points. Um, like you, you'd mentioned in in one of the beat writer things that we did, uh, like for, I think it was we asked for a sleeper or a player who's going to surprise this year, and you said Andy Dalton, and you said he's going to throw the ball a ton, and I you know I go to all my leagues that I've already drafted, and I'm a late quarterback kind of guy, um, so you know I kind of landed a couple quarterbacks I wasn't thrilled about, and replaced a couple with Andy Dalton because I mean like it, it and it's been bananas, and he's on pace for 5,600 passing yards, um, and you know you have John Ross who's doing amazingly. Uh, although he's very efficient, not really volume, and you got Boyd, who's got the volume, not a ton of efficiency. Um, to a fantasy player, if you didn't know anything about any games that were actually played, and you just looked at the numbers. It's not a bad looking team. No, not at all. And 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 a lot of it that there's been, I, I expected Andy to have a better year than people think, um, but but two reasons so far that in Seattle the the Seahawks just lined up and said you're not running the ball. And they, they just totally took Joe Mixon and the running game out of it. And he threw it 51 times. His career high is 53. Um, and they had a lot of success throwing the ball. Uh, last week, it was the, the 49ers didn't like throw eight in the box and try to take Mixon out of the, the mix. They just did. And the the whole volume of Andy's passing last week was because they were down 24-10 at half and then 31-10 after one possession in the third quarter, and they really had no choice but to throw the ball all over the field. But So, I mean, 
it's kind of a good thing and a bad thing, depending on which angle you're looking, which lens through which you're looking at the Cincinnati Bengals, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because so, I mean, selfish I, I fantasy think, lens, yeah, yeah. And I don't know. I mean, you said you got Andy late. I don't know if you actually started him in those last two games, but um, I, I, I still think once his numbers aren't going to decrease that much if they get the running game going because this whole Zach Taylor offense is predicated on play action and if they can if they can get the running game going and start using those fakes to to sell the passing game I I still think you're going to see Andy hit some chunk plays this O-line is not very good so we're not going to see a lot of you know deep drops and 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 the deep ball down the field it's more of the you know get it out right now and, and let the playmakers make plays in space but another thing to keep in mind is you know, we still haven't seen A.J. Green yet. And, and imagine how efficient this offense is going to be when A.J. Green's back out there and then all of a sudden Tyler Boyd becomes the two and John Ross becomes the three and, and Tyler Eifert is still a weapon and, and they can still throw to Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard out of the backfield. Um, I said at the beginning of the year I thought this could be a top ten offense and, and I still think it can even with the suspect offensive line. So uh- – well, actually, I had this a little farther down, but let's jump into AJ Green. Just, just as a wonderful segue. And by the way, uh, for those of you who who uh, who are loving all the podcasts here, check out hear that podcast growling. Uh, it's Jay's podcast. He does three times a week. Uh, we only do it two, so kudos to you, Jay. How are you finding the time to do three podcasts a week? The uh, the Sunday one is a little bit informal. It's it's myself and uh, Paul Daner Jr., who also covers the Bengals for the Athletic. We we call it a walkout, and we literally talk into his phone as we are walking to the car um, after the game and uh, just kind of a rapid reaction type of thing um, after we've filed our stories. And then the uh, the Tuesday morning podcast is a, kind of a recap and uh, we, we have uh, some special segments on there. That one is free also. And then the, uh, the Thursday one is a look ahead to the upcoming game. We talk to the athletic writer that covers the opponent and we take uh, listeners behind the curtain somewhat and uh, play a lot of uh, interviews we've had with players and coaches. And that one is behind the athletic paywall. So yeah, three times a week, Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Yeah, we usually drop our code, but if you'd like to drop your 40% off code for that show, feel free right here. Like the athletic.com slash. I should probably know that, but I don't know that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then then go to the athletic.com slash PBC for 40% off a subscription. If you're, uh, if you're listening to this on, iTunes or uh, or Spotify or wherever you get your free podcasts. Um, obviously, if you're listening to it on the site, you're already a subscriber. Um, okay, uh, so AJ Green, I saw that you said uh, in, in the latest, still to be unreleased beat writer roundup, that he wants to come back week four. But you're like, yeah, that's not his choice. Um, I thought it was going to be a lot more. You know, I've, I've got AJ Green in a couple leagues. I got him in auctions for you know six dollars here, nine dollars there. Um, thinking like, okay, week eight, AJ Green will be back, and you know that'll key my stretch run. If I'm sitting at like, you know, five and three or four and four, like that's just adding one of the, the top free agent wide receivers in a way. Uh, I just got to hold on to him and, and you know bear the storm. Uh, but week four seems like crazy optimistic, and even like a week six, I'd be happy with. Is he kind of careening in that kind of uh, quicker than slower path? Yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a reading the tea leaves type of thing where they're not going to come out and tell you. AJ repeatedly said, "Well, first of all, he he would not he did not talk at all uh, from the time the injury happened on July 27th until last week. I believe it was last Wednesday where the dam finally broke and he held court in the locker room for about 15 or 16 minutes and answered every question except when he was coming back. Um, 
he, he said he didn't want to talk to the media until his boot came off because he didn't want all the cameras point, pointing and taking video of his of his boot. Um, he he kept he said he repeatedly said no timeline. But I asked him specifically if, if that Pittsburgh game was important, being a division game, and and he kind of lit up and he said, yeah, and that's Monday Night Football too. That would be a really good one to get back. Um, but you know, players always want to get back a little bit sooner than than the team is really ready. The, the last thing you want to happen is for him to come back and re-injure it, which is what happened last year with his toe. Uh, he missed a couple games, came back and hurt it immediately. He he was not pushing off. Um, if, if, if he was not the intended receiver on the route, he was just kind of walking off the line of scrimmage. And then one time he did kind of try to explode off the line of scrimmage, re-injured the toe, and then was out for the year after that. So um, he has experience with with that, with coming back maybe a little too soon. This is a different injury. It's an ankle. But I, I still think they're going to play it cautious. But the thing is, they didn't put him on IR to start the season. So if, if, if they had thought that he was even close to missing – eight games, they would have put him on IR and then just brought him back for week nine. But the fact that they they didn't do that leads me to believe that they think he's going to be back a lot sooner than that. And he's already out on the rehab field. Um, it What we're really looking for is when he gets back on the practice field. And usually guys aren't on the rehab field all that long. He came back, he was on the rehab field last week. He was on the rehab field yesterday. And if he can get back to practice at some point this week or even that first practice next week, because they do have an extra day. They, they play on Monday night. Um, I think there's a chance we could see him Monday at Pittsburgh, but I don't think I'd put money on it. I say there's a chance, but it's just something if you own him, definitely be keeping an eye on the practice reports next week. Cause if as soon as he comes back to practice, you got to feel he's going to play that week. I'm actually, I'm, I'm done putting money on the Bengals for anything. So <laughs> I'm not going to do that. <laughs> just wait and see what happens here. Um, so, so when AJ Green comes back, how is that like? You look at the numbers, and and I mean, you look at just the receiving yards numbers. Like John Ross is amazing. This is like he's 140 something yards per game this season, and you know he's he's awesome. Um, but then you dig into targets and receptions, and you're like, oh well, you know this is he's not actually getting a ton of receptions. He's getting okay targets, um, but it's actually Boyd who's getting the targets and the receptions and the volume. He's just not doing as much with it. Um, is I mean, I guess a is that how this is going to continue through the rest of the season? And then B, when Green comes back, like who, like whose kind of role does he take? Who does he take these stats away from? Well, I think he he takes the stats away from Damian Willis, who's an undrafted rookie that not only made the team but was he's the starter. I mean, he's he's the starting X wide receiver. He's in AJ Green's spot. So when when AJ comes back, it's going to be AJ Tyler Boyd and John Ross and. I don't know. I mean, you, for years early in his career, Andy would kind of use AJ as a security blanket. When things weren't going right, he would force the ball into him, and he would. That's why he would get all these targets and all these catches. Um, I, I don't think that's the case anymore. When when you've got that many weapons around, I think it's going to be spread out pretty equally. And I, I think even though John isn't getting a, John Ross isn't getting a lot of targets right now, I think his are more likely to go down a little bit just because. Excuse me, just because he's. He's kind of that same downfield receiver like AJ is. I don't think it's going to affect Tyler Boyd at all. Um, Tyler had he had ten targets last week and he caught all ten of them. He's six of them were for first downs and four of them were were uh, converting third downs. Um, his rookie year, Tyler Boyd led the NFL in third down receptions. He's just he is so good working out of the slot on those third downs that I don't think his targets are going anywhere. 
but we may see a reduction in, in John Ross. And obviously, I think it's going to probably reduce somewhat the, the tight ends, even though they're not getting a lot right now. Um, and then probably take a one or two away from Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard per game as well. Well, it's, it's interesting because we've kind of seen Boyd and Ross, at least fantasy players, um, and last year too, it was kind of like a guessing game. Like, which one is going to be the one to blow up? Because, you know, for every point you can make about Boyd, you can make, you know, an equally good point about Ross. Uh, so they seem like they're always kind of tied together in that which one is going to blow up, which one's going to be awesome. Um, I mean, I guess if Andy Dalton's passing this much, is that, I mean, can all three really be fantasy contributors? At the end? And just Tyler Eifert's could totally off the grid in a way. Um, I, I wouldn't call him off the grid because he is a, he is an incredible red zone weapon. So even if he's only, only if he gets two or three targets a game, if they get down in the red zone, they're looking for him and he, he can get you a touchdown. And that, you know, that, that puts you ahead of the curve from a fantasy standpoint, if your tight ends getting you a touchdown, um, I, he's not going to get volume. There's, there's no way he's just not on the field enough. It, everybody knows his injury history and he played 50% of the snaps in, in week one against Seattle and, and Zach Taylor even mentioned even said that was probably a little too much. They they really want to manage his workload. Um not you know not just the times he's they can't just put him on the field on third down in red zone. Everybody's gonna know what's coming. They, he has to be out there in blocking situations too. And you're just kind of inviting trouble if if you've got him out there plowing ahead, blocking in the running game a whole lot. So I think he can he can be a weapon. He can get you that 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 maybe the two catches for 25 yards and a touchdown um, if they get down in the red zone. But I, I don't think he's going to be, you know, anything that like he was in the past where like in 2015, he was just a primary target. They were throwing to him all over the place. He had a career year for a Bengals tight end. And um, I'm sorry, I kind of got lost in my thought on Eifert. I can't remember. What no, no, please really keep going, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, were you asking about how, what, what Ross and, and Boyd? Like Ross, Boyd, Green. You know, let's say it's week. Let's say it's week eight. Uh, Ross yeah. Boyd Green are you know all in there, and Eifert still you know kind of has to get in there, and it's uh yeah basically like how's that? How's the pecking order? I guess going to shake out, and I, I guess the I guess you did answer like don't don't count on Eifert because he's going to be a red zone threat, but don't expect him to be that that upside Eifert from like three years ago who you know has eighty catch potential. Yeah, in terms of the pecking order, I mean, I think the defense is going to determine that because if if AJ comes back and he's the AJ we've known in the past, they're going to start rolling coverage his way, and that's really going to open things up for John Ross on the on the other side. But if you know AJ's thirty one now, and if if he starts showing some signs of age, and and maybe they the the opponent has a a lockdown corner and and they can single cover him, you know that who knows that's if if all of a sudden you were only putting one guy on AJ and you know, you can probably put two on Boyd or two on Ross. It's, it's just going it, to, that's going to hamper everything. If, if, if AJ can come back and be AJ and, and really take the brunt of the focus of the defense, I think all three of those guys can, can really flourish because as we mentioned, I don't think this is going to be a very good year for the Bengals win loss wise. And if, if they find themselves behind quite a bit, like, like they did, last week against San Francisco, it's just going to be a lot of junk points in, in the fantasy realm where they're just out there throwing the ball all over the place in the second half. Uh, so in a way, it's gonna, it's just like you won't know until that game starts how the defense is going to approach these receivers. So don't expect any consistency yeah, and good luck. 
Yeah, I mean, when you when they play the the Jaguars, we're going to see the uh, round two of Jalen Ramsey and, and AJ Green. If Jalen Ramsey is still in Jacksonville, um, right? You know, corner, cornerbacks like that can can take AJ one on one. Most teams probably don't want to do that. They probably don't want to stick a, a, a corner on AJ one on one. But there are there are a few that that will single cover him, and and that's going to make all the difference in the world in which way the passing direction, which way Andy Dalton goes with the, the bulk of his targets. Um, so I had a, I had a question, kind of high up and overarching question before we just kind of followed the, the follow this questioning here about just Zach Taylor, um, and not to be vague about it, but like it's we don't really know a lot about him and his philosophy yet. I would think, right? I mean, you, you'd assume that early on he's not going to give much away about his offense, and then two games in, they've been such weird games um, that you know maybe we haven't just seen exactly what he's trying to do yet. Uh, you know, a lot of these offensive coordinators, you can go through their history. Um, you know, so I go to pro football reference and I see like, oh, he was OC from like 2012 to 2016 with this team. And, you know, his coach was a guy who wasn't like a, a Sean McVay who, you, you know, that's really the offensive coordinator, quote unquote. Um, so, do, I mean, do you have any idea, like what is a Zach Taylor offense? Like we knew that Andy Dalton was, or you knew Andy Dalton was going to pass a lot. What else are some like hallmarks of this offense? Do you think that, that maybe like um, if we don't have like these exact answers, like Boyd versus Ross on a week to week basis? at least we thematically can kind of look for things. And I mean, if, if you look at it right now, it's like, oh man, running backs might be in a little bit of trouble here. Um, but is that, is that a, a thing with his offense or is it just the way things have played out? Like what, what would it look like in a perfect world in a vacuum, I guess. Yeah. In a perfect world, we would be seeing a lot of Joe Mixon. I mean, he would, he would be Todd Gurley of, of a couple years ago where they, the, everything goes through him and, and everything bounces off of him. Um, his success in, in the running game, um, you know, people forget that that Joe led the AFC in rushing last year, and the offensive line wasn't very good last year either. So, there, I, I wouldn't rule that out. They've had some injuries, they've had some issues. They're, they, they've got a, a new offensive line coach. They, they got a new everything, new offense coordinator, new head coach. A, a, everything is new, and it's just taken them a while to kind of to mesh and get together. They've they've got a, a starting rookie or a left guard, a starting left guard that's a rookie. Um, They've got a starting right guard that it's his first year with the team. Uh, it's it's just it hasn't meshed yet, and I think when it does, we're, that's what we're going to see is a lot of the offense going through the running game and then hitting the passes off of that play action. And then that it, when that happens, then I do think maybe you, t- you see them take some more shots down the field. But right now, what we saw a ton in the OTAs and and even in training camp it seemed like somebody was moving, somebody was in motion on every single snap. And it, it, it hasn't quite worked that way. I mean, we have seen more of that motion and misdirection in the in the two regular season games than we saw in the preseason. They kept it really vanilla in the preseason. But once this offense really gets rolling and they can play off of the, the run game, I think you're going to start seeing a lot more of that, more jet sweeps, uh, more fake jet sweeps, guys going in motion, moving at the snap, just doing everything they can to, to try to create a mismatch. And that's where that's where Andy Dalton is at his best, is that pre-snap read where he knows exactly where he's going when, when, the, when he gets the ball and he gets it out right away. Then you don't have to worry about an offensive line that's a little leaky. And it, it, it's not going to be big, huge chunk plays. It, it's going to be eight, nine, ten-yard drives where they're they're just throwing these these quick little screens or short crossing routes and just getting the ball 
to the guy that's got the best mismatch and it, and he's going to be spreading it all over the place. And I know that that makes it tough on fantasy owners who to, who to go with each week. But I think that is what, that is the ideal Zach Taylor offense. It, it kind of, you know, a lot of what we saw with the Rams, he wasn't the play caller with the Rams, but, but he learned under Sean McVay. And I, I think he wants to really emulate what the, the success that they had out there. Uh, just to kind of clear a quick thing up, like is, I mean, there's not a school of thought that like Zach Taylor was the genius behind the Sean McVay stuff, right? I just, I just would just, it's it's established that Sean McVay was like the head coach, smart guy with the offense, and oh Zach yeah, Taylor was, was learning under him. It's not like oh Zach Taylor's gone now, Sean McVay's going to struggle. Yeah, oh no, 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 that not at all. Right. That because he was he was um, he was an assistant wide receivers coach his first year there, and then he was the quarterbacks coach. Uh, it, Zach has one year of play calling experience and that was at the university of cincinnati in 2015 and that was that was a horrible year for that program um tommy tuberville <laughs> was kind of mailing it in just collecting checks uh and I, I think they lost their last six or seven games that year uh, you know zach zach taylor has not won a game as a play caller since like the middle of october 2015 but it's not not like he's been a play caller all that time so he, he really is unproven as a play caller, although he was put in a really tough position that first year or that only year at UC. Um, he's got the weapons now. It's just a matter of trying to get this defense figured out so that he can he can do what he wants to do and, and, and use the running game and not have to throw every single down. Uh, you obviously saw the first two games, um, like Seattle and, and San Francisco. This isn't so much a Bengals question as it is, you know, the Seattle defense just, you know, is going to be out of control now, especially with the trade. But 49ers, I don't think a lot of people saw coming. And we had Matt Barrows on uh, Tuesday, and he was pretty bullish on the 49ers defense. Uh, he even owns them on one of his fantasy teams. Um, do you, did Cincinnati just run in some bad luck early? I mean, they had, to, you know, Seattle, I think everyone assumes is an awesome defense. But maybe the way the 49ers kind of handled them um, speaks more about the 49ers defense being legit and real and good and not really, you know, the Bengals being terrible. So I guess if you go to Buffalo this week, also regarded as one of the top defenses, uh, team can't really catch a break. Is that, is that, is that fair for these first oh, three? Yeah, they Pittsburgh? yeah, they have the, all three teams they've played this year are 2 0. So yeah, it, it has been a, a really tough start. Um, San Francisco, they, Quan Alexander just played an incredible game. I mean, their their linebacker, he was all over the field. Um, their their D line, um, they got a lot of pressure on Andy Dalton w- without blitzing. They they kind of exposed the, the Bengals' offensive line. Um, the Bengals they started that game against San Francisco with their third string left tackle. They were down to their fourth string left tackle by the time the game ended. Um, I mentioned Jonah Williams; he was going to be the the starter. And um, he got he had the labrum surgery and he was out. So they had put, planned to kick Cordy Glenn back inside to guard. Well, when Jonah gets hurt, they put Cordy back out at left tackle. Well, Cordy gets a concussion. He was self-reported concussion after the second preseason game and has not returned yet. This is day 35 of Cordy Glenn's pro- concussion protocol. So then they go to Andre Smith as their starting left tackle. And Andre Smith was a street free agent on July 25th. Two days before training camp starts, the Bengals sign him. All of a sudden, they're starting him at left tackle, and then he gets a groin injury in, in the game against San Francisco, and they're playing John Jerry at left tackle. John Jerry is a left guard who didn't even play in the league last year. He was a street free agent all year and couldn't get a job. So 
that's where this offensive line is right now. It's it's easy to see why it's so important for them to get the ball out quick. And and San Francisco really exploited that. They got a, they got a lot of pressure on Andy. He he made some plays on the run, but the the biggest in, the biggest mistake he made was on the run. It was late in the first half. Bengals were down twenty one ten, and they take over thrown three and they get it up to midfield. And it's looking like hey they're gonna punch this in, get some points, make it a one score game right before halftime. And uh, it was a second and five play, and Andy was rolling out to his right, and he tried to force one into Tyler Eifert, and Quan Alexander picked it off. San Francisco down goes down, gets a field goal right before half, comes out and gets a touchdown to start the second half, and it was over after that. So it's it, the, this offensive line is is really the the missing piece here. That's what's going to get the off. That's what's going to get the run game going. That's what's going to keep the pressure off Andy Dalton, and it, it's a big question mark. Not now, not when Cordy Glenn will be back, but if 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 a, if a guy if you're 29 years old and you have a concussion that has kept you out over a month, it might be time to consider retirement. Yeah, that's no. I mean, that's unless you're Jordan Reed. Yeah, how many? Is he pretty, yeah, I think he's the six. I want to say. And, and as far as we know, this is Cordy's first. I mean, Cordy just got to Cincinnati last year. The the Bengals traded for him ahead of the draft last year. I, I have not found anything where he has had he's had other injuries that have kept him out in his time in Buffalo, but I've not seen anything where he's had a concussion. So uh, that's that's a little alarming too. The first one he had is, has been this serious. Well, hopefully he's just being cautious and uh, you know take your time and come back when you're ready. Yeah, you would think he would. This would be a big week for him going back to Buffalo and playing where he played, you know, where he started his career, and um, he he has progressed to where he's out on the field um, at practice. And yesterday he was doing some aerobic work, so that there there is slight progress there. But I don't think there's any chance he plays this week. The, the best case scenario for him as well would be to come back against Pittsburgh. And how about um just speaking of injuries, uh, Joe Mixon? I know like because I wanted to add this question like is and I just kind of formulated here talking to you about all of this about you know talking about the the offense running through Mixon. Um, I know he's got the ankle issue, but you know right now if you look at Joe Mixon. Uh, you know, you haven't been paying much attention, say, to Cincinnati, just a fantasy player who, you know, doesn't own Joe Mixon. And you see 27 rushing yards and just 17 receiving, you know, 44 total yards and just, you know, terrible yards per carry average and stuff like that. Uh, now you see the ankle injury. Um, and just the way you talk about him, it seems like Joe Mixon's like the ultimate, ultimate buy low. And I think people saw that like Gio Bernard signed that contract right before the season started. And, you know, that, oh, they're serious about Gio Bernard. You know, he's going to have a big role. Um, is Joe Mixon like the ultimate buy low right now? I mean, looking ahead to, you know, the second half of the season, even if we have to, even the, the, the last three quarters of the season, um, Joe Mixon, the way you talk about him seems like he's eventually going to be a major part of this offense, but between the ankle injury and you know, his, his really bad start, um, it seems like that's kind of, uh, almost a secret in a way. Yeah, I, I would buy low if you're in that kind of league or if, if you if you've got a, an owner that already has him that might be willing to to dump him after two bad weeks uh, Joe's terrific I mean he is a really good running back and you put him on a team with with a def- decent offensive line and, and he could lead the league in rushing and again if, if the Bengals get this figured out he, he can still he led the AFC in rushing last year and he missed two games so as bad as his production has been in the first two games this year, he at least played and got some yards. I wouldn't rule him out yet. Um, he, and, he, and the thing is, too, he's they, they really want to make him 
more involved in the passing game this year. And if you're in a PPR league, then that that's just more points. Um, he, he's so good out in space. Uh, he, he's got really good hands. Uh, he can, it, it, it almost feels like right now where if he could, if he could just get that first double digit run, uh, the dam would break and all of a sudden things would kind of open up for this offense. Um, he's had a couple decent runs. They had four runs of at least seven yards against the 49ers that were called back on holding calls. And, you know, maybe some of the holding led to the run, but a couple of them were on the backside that, that really didn't affect the run at all. Um, if, if you've got a chance to get Joe Mixon, by all means, I would go after it because the, the, you mentioned Giovanni Bernard. If if we're talking strictly from a fantasy perspective, which this podcast is about, um, it's not like if you have to worry about Giovanni being a touchdown vulture. When, when they get down on the red zone, it's going to be Joe Mixon. And, you know, they might use Giovanni on third downs. They might give Joe a series off and, and let Giovanni do everything uh, between the 20s. But when they get in the red zone, red zone, it's going to be Joe Mixon. And I, I just – you look at the year he had last year. Um, he, he still has two years left on this contract. He he sees what what running backs are, are getting around the league. And, you know, I, I think we're in for a holdout next year. I, I, I oh, great. That, yeah, I know. I, I just think that's the way it's going with running backs now. They, they're, they're, their careers are shorter. The, the rookie contracts are, are so low. And, uh, you know, a lot of these guys want extensions before they go into that fourth year, which is the position Jill will be in next year. But if, if he's going to want to have that leverage, he's got to get things dialed up this year. And he yesterday was interesting. He, he had a bunch of media around him, and he – he took every blame for the running game and everybody knows that's not the case. I mean, I don't know how much film people have watched, but there a lot of times there is a defender standing unblocked in the hole, just waiting on Joe Mixon or they're in the backfield. He's trying to, he's trying to break tackles or make guys miss in the backfield. And it, this is not all on Joe Mixon. I don't, I, I, I put very little of it on Joe Mixon. It's mostly been the offensive line, but, but he sat there and took, all the blame, all the responsibility. I, I think for a young guy like that, that, that really carries some weight. He's he's really kind of evolving into a leader on this team, and that that was another example of that yesterday. Um, again, I, I think it's going to be really tough to to run the ball on Buffalo. Their their D line is so good, but I think they are going to go into that game fully committed. To getting this thing going because like I said it just feels like if he could just pop one or two and he he I asked him that and he said he he pulled out the NBA analogy and talked about Steph Curry and he's like how many times do you see him just struggle and struggle and struggle and then early in a game and then as soon as that first three goes down then it's on and he, he kind of likened it his game to that so that's that'll be something to, interesting to watch Sunday in Buffalo if if they can get him to break a decent run, 9, 10, 11 yards in the first quarter, and then just see if the, the run game starts flowing after that. What a That's a very kind of cool and eclectic comparison. That's, I would think like Steph Curry, like, yeah, is, is somehow parallel to Joe Mixon. Yeah, Joe's like from that. the Oakland area, so the, he knows that that area well. And these there's a there's a lot of NBA fans um, on, on this team. They, they, you hear a lot of NBA talk uh, in, in the locker room, so – um, I did. I thought that was an interesting comparison, um, and he, he was he was adamant about it. It wasn't like one. Of, he just kind of threw it out as a one liner or two liner. He it was one of his longer quotes. It, it was like a fifteen minute interview, and 
one of the TV guys would ask questions, you know, he kind of said, it's all on me. I've been terrible. I've been hella weak was his exact word. <laughs> and, and then, but he really enjoyed telling that kind of a Steph Curry uh, story and, and linking himself, you know, that analogy with, with him and, and Steph. Uh, Jay, I know you gotta, you gotta go in a little bit. Um, do you mind if we do some quick over-unders, uh, just, just kind of end a season, what, what this player might look like? No, that's good. Um, Andy Dalton over under forty eight hundred passing yards. Hmm. I would say under, just because I do think they're going to get the run game going, and this is still the AFC North. There's still a lot of cold, uh, not ideal weather that they're going to be playing in in late November and December, and the the running game is going to be more important. And I, I just, yeah, I'll go under on that. All one. All right. Uh, Joe Mixon over under eleven fifty rushing yards. Wow, that's a tough one. Um, I'd have to go under just based on the start, uh, but but I think he's going to get close to it. All right. Oh, how about uh, eleven fifty rushing yard pace from week three on? So you know, I guess that puts him at like I don't know thousand five something like that. Uh, yeah, I think he can right. do that. I mean, he did it last year. You look at he missed two games and he he went over a thousand and fourteen games. So yeah, I think he could do that. Uh, Tyler Boyd or John Ross, who has more yards when the season's over? I'm going to say you John say Ross because he gets the chunks. Okay. And we saw last week, you know, the kind of the the short pass he turned into a 66 yard touchdown. He took another short pass where he he could have just outrun the guy to the corner and had another long touchdown. Instead, he tried to juke him and got tackled, and then that. That drive ended up stalling. He, he learned his lesson there. He admitted he did wrong there. Tyler Boyd's going to get more volume, more targets, more catches, but but I think John Ross will have more yards. And uh, A.J. Green over under 816 receiving yards on the season. Ooh. I'm going to go under on that too just because, just because of the question mark of when he will actually be back and the fact that he's not going to – he's going to be – the the biggest guy but he's not going to be the guy it's not like Andy Dalton's just going to be pounding the ball into AJ all the time he's got all these other weapons um I, I think AJ can can be a very effective decoy uh throughout parts of games so I, I I'm going to put him a little bit under that all right um I don't know we, we, we end every show with 10 quick questions for uh for our writers just getting to know you a little better outside of football um do you have a minute we can do these rapid fire if you'd like yeah yeah we can do that Okay, number one, Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune? Ah, I love the challenge of Jeopardy, but I, 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 I have no doubt in my mind I could go on Wheel of Fortune and win. Uh, number two, is the chili really that awesome in Cincinnati? Uh, I do. I don't think it is, but I've lived here all my life. It's, it's kind of like coffee. It's kind of like beer. It's an acquired taste. Uh, once you get used to it, you really like it. The first time you try it, yeah, not so much. <laughs> uh, number three, what's the last CD that you bought? Um, shine down, attention, attention. All right. Uh, number four, uh, have you chosen the Halloween candy you're going to give away yet? No, the, my wife handles that. <laughs> number five, are you going to go see Star Wars on opening night? I saw Star Wars one in the movie in 1977, whatever that was. And I have not seen a Star Wars since. Wow. Uh, I wish we had more time to dig into that. Number six, what's your favorite breakfast cereal? Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Uh, number seven, uh, someone has five hours to spend in Cincinnati. What's the one thing you tell them they got to go do? Ooh, good question. Um, 
I would say check out Finley Market. Uh, it was just recently voted the uh, number one open market in in the country. A um, lot of interesting foods there, and it's it's right in the middle of a revitalized uh, area that's really hopping right now. A lot of bars, a lot of breweries, a lot of restaurants. So yeah, check out Over the Rhine and some specifically Finley Market. On that note, uh, number eight, what is your favorite road city? Hmm. Well, I'd never been there before, but I, I absolutely love Seattle in week one. Um, that it was, it, I went a day early kind of selfishly just to kind of tool around and go up in the Space Needle and uh, it, it quickly went to number one. Well, nice. Uh, these last two we ask everybody. Um, I'd like to make a prediction. I think you're going to have a very specific answer for this one, but I could be wrong. Jay Morrison, which kind of pen do you use? Uh, whatever I get at the Courtyard by Marriott. I just oh my God, grab a handful of those. <laughs> wow. I, raid, I raid the maid card every time I walk by and hope they're not looking. <laughs> okay, and last one. Uh, let's take it back to when you were 15 years old. Who's your celebrity crush? Uh, Tiffany, Tiffany Amber Thiessen. All right. I think that's her name. That, that is, that is, we know <laughs> we're familiar with her here <laughs> and with the hyphen. Uh, Jay Morrison, th- dude, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Jay Morrison, a T H. Uh, by the way, as an idiot, it took me so like, I, you know, I'm, I'm always putting your, um, your handle into the, the B writer stuff, copy and pasting it a bunch. And I'm like, ATH, like for whatever reason, I was thinking Atlanta. And then I'm like, what does that ATH stand for? Um, so I'm an idiot. But Jay Morrison, ATH for The Athletic uh, yes. the podcast. Hear that podcast growl three times a week. Um, actually, so the, the Sunday and the Thursday ones sound really awesome. Not the Tuesday one, it was like the, the Sunday and the, and the look ahead one um, where you bring the other beat writer and sound awesome. That's, that's yep. me objectively saying that, not just kind of kissing up for you doing the show for us. No, well, I appreciate that. Uh, Jay, thanks so much, man. And by the way, thanks for always like filling out those beat writer questions with such wonderful answers and doing it early. I know I thank you that on Slack, but uh, it's really awesome. Yeah, I, I enjoy doing it. And I'm sure people like reading it. Yeah, they absolutely do. You're a, you're a great friend to fantasy. Uh, so, so, Jay, thanks a lot, man. I know you got stuff to do. We'll let you go. Um, and good luck with the rest of the season. All right, you guys too. Have a good year. Everybody, we're excited to share some big news here. Our team at The Athletic and our friends at Wondery just launched a brand new daily sports show called The Lead that we know you're going to love. The Lead is the first daily sports news podcast. It'll cover everything from the world stage to the hometown. With the help of The Athletic's more than 400 sports writers and editors, co-hosts Kavitha Davidson and Anders Kelta will bring you sports news up close and personal each weekday morning. And if I can add something personal here, I've pitched them a couple stories, so get excited about that if they say yes. You're about to hear a preview of The Lead. Subscribe to The Lead on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now so you don't miss an episode. There's also a link in the episode notes that will take you there. Check out theathletic.com slash the lead to read stories featured on The Lead. And have a lovely day. You can follow sports through sound bites or the full story. From up in the press box or down on the sidelines. What do you want to accomplish this year? Actually, I want to accomplish getting on this team first. This fall, a new daily podcast brings you closer to the sports stories that matter. 
stories about players. A guy like Zion just represents that hope of the failures of the past don't matter because we've got this guy now. That's the buzzer. Stories about hometowns. You will see hundreds of people wearing number 32 Simpson jerseys uh, in the stands on Sunday afternoons for a Bills home game. And stories about the teams you love. This was the first chance for all those baseball fans to see their guys. From The Athletic, home to the best storytelling in sports. And Wondery, the company behind Sports Wars and Gladiator. I'm Kavitha Davidson. And I'm Anders Kelto. Introducing The Lead. Go beyond the box score five days a week. This isn't a story where you go to some place and interview the athlete and go home. It stays with you. Are you kidding me? I have never seen anything like that. The lead premieres September 16th on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. The lead. Sports up close. Hey, hey, I need some more of that.